Um, I have. I could, don't know if I could add to that, to be honest with you. It was uh, an all-encompassing <laughs> tirade. I, I, I was impressed. I, enjoy, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, and I was both scared. A lot like one of my ex-girlfriend's lovemaking techniques. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I don't want anyone to get confused because this is what I usually say we are the end pod, but I suppose we are still the end pod, but we're also something else this week. This is something we're, we're trying on for size, like some saucy new lingerie or some comfy slippers or a really high quality prostitute. But <laughs> <laughs> so this is a diffusion podcast from the end podcast. We're going to be calling it, at least for the time being, best movie worst movie where me and my two co-hosts will be choosing from a selected genre or time period or maybe just something a little bit more arbitrary we'll see as we go along and then we choose the best and the worst of that selected topic now it'll be no surprise to everybody although it was a surprise to me when he actually managed to log on (laughs) (laughs) of course with me as usual is Tim. Tim, how are you today? Oh, Matt, doing great. Um, and I, first of all, let me commend my co-host here for, A, bearing with me. It took some time to log on to Zoom for some reason. And then also, as you, as everyone knows, I'm in the United States. These guys are in England, and it's 12.20 a.m. where they are. It's just, it's 5.20. It's right in my wheelhouse where I am, 5.20 p.m. So you guys I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to this. I love these little side projects. So this is going to be good. Yeah, I can't wait either. It's so funny about the perverse pleasure that I took from what intentionally watching bad films to see what the worst one was. Like the sense of achievement. <laughs> the best one was a piece of piss. Like you just know the best one. But yeah, getting getting dirty, getting into the, the dank, steamy edges of today's topic. But... Let's not go any further without introducing the third part of this triumvirate, the trifecta of best movie, worst movie. Introduce yourself, Shane. I have, this is the first podcast I've ever been on, so bear with me. It's probably going to be terrible. Thank you, Matt, for inviting me. And yeah, thanks to Tim. I've listened to your, your voice for the last year and a half. Oh, funny, Matt, yeah. Matt constantly telling me how great you are. It's true, uh, it's true. <laughs> it, is, no, it is 100% it's so true. true. <laughs> yeah. so practically confessing oh. his love to you via me. So, oh, man. Yeah, it's been great. You're just a what saucy conduit. <laughs> That's what you are. What a, <laughs> I feel so loved right now. <laughs> well, you should do, mate. I mean, do you feel spoilt by love, though? Is this going to spoil your home <laughs> life when you get home? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Once you've had the love of another man profess to you, I mean, surely it's all downhill. <laughs> totally. All right, what's we'll our topic? Right, that's exactly what I was about to say, Tim. I mean, oh. yeah, I know the excitement of love has got the better of you there, mate, so we, we, we'll let that one slide. So today... <laughs> Today, tonight, this morning's topic is Arnold 
Schwarzenegger films. Now, in hindsight, maybe we could have chosen a decade or at least chosen pre or post governor. But I kind of feel like that pre and post governor mark is pretty much where his best and his worst work was done. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go first and I'm going to nominate or not nominate because it's not like this. There's anything at the end of it, although it's just a bit of a discussion, isn't it? But I'm going to talk about what I think is the best Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Now, this film was produced by Joe Silver. He's renowned for being a hands-on, helpful producer. He worked on Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and the Matrix trilogy. So there's some really good stock there. It was directed by, Ch by John McTiernan, who... <laughs> I'm so excited about this film. <laughs> That's the thing, like, I usually, you watch films, don't you? And then, like, you don't really do any digging into it. But I've had one of the best days ever just going on relentless YouTube hunts and, like, articles about facts about this film. But, okay, let's get on with it. John McTiernan, who also directed Die Hard, Hunt for Reddit October, and probably the best Die Hard film, Die Hard with a Vengeance. It was shot in the obscene heat of Mexico it, in 14 hour days. This film also had two future state governors and it was written by John and Jim Thomas. It was originally called The Hunter. They didn't even have an agent, first time writers, and they slipped it under the door of a Fox executive. It had an older cast that smoked, drank on the job and fuck like a Tyrannosaurus. It also has the most epic handshake in the history of film and it's post possibly the most quotable film ever of course if you haven't got it by now this is the film where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Dutch it is 1987's Predator <laughs> <laughs> now, good choice when I was going through the films and that, I was trying to find like maybe a bit of an edgy choice, like maybe a bubble under. I was thinking of maybe something like Commando because it was like one of the first like action sort of trademark films or maybe like a True Lies. But the fact of the matter is the best films are the best films for a reason. And I think as well, this was just brilliantly and effectively paced despite only being 107 minutes and there was nothing wasted the capture and release of the quiet scenes the head-to-head -head conversation and the eased it switch gears it was genuinely one of arnold's best performances a rational and completive man out of his depth it was a fairly traditional action film in the first act but then the second act changes gears and it turns into a survival horror a fractured group having to work together to overcome the odds against an unknown assailant in a race against time this has everything the story is underrated it's well constructed and it can it's a consistent and believable story at no point do you think if that then why not this or why didn't they just it's just supremely well written and if that wasn't enough, the final act reversal was so clever. Arnold, once he works out, or Dutch, I should say, that indeed it is heat loss vision and not heat vision because polar bears don't show any of the colours when they're putting the heat loss vision because they don't release any heat. So really, mm. it's the heat coming out of people and not the actual heat. But that's a little bit of an aside. 
Now, <laughs> the final act reversal. Arnold becomes the invisible hunter and the predator, frustrated, firing blind at anything that moves. I don't know if I need to say any more, gentlemen. It's an absolute classic. It is indeed. Do you want to know a little factoid about it as well? Yeah. I won't go through them all. Yeah. The original Predator was actually the Hollywood big budget debut of one John Claude Van Damme. He was put. No way. Yep. He was put yeah. into a red because it's usually green, isn't it, or blue? Because they're in the jungle, they had to do it red to then put the CGI on afterwards. And they actually shot four concurrent cameras at once in this in the same rig. The heat loss was actually legitimate. But because the jungle was so hot, they had to spray all the surrounding <laughs> boriculture with ice cold water so that the actual heat of the people would show up. Jean-Claude Van Damme thought he was going to be like a main villain in the film and he was going to be able to do karate. But the, the original design was so preposterous. He was on stilts. The actors couldn't even sit down in takes because they're on such steep and uneasy footing. So Jean-Claude Van Damme, he says quit. They said they got rid of him and they brought in Kevin Peter Hall, a seven foot actor who had just finished being Harry of Harry and the Hendersons. They wanted the new design to make Arnold look small. He was also the chopper pilot. So to give him a little bit of facial recognition in the, in the film. The Predator design, John McTiernan was sketching it. As he sat next to, by complete serendipity, James Cameron on a long haul flight. And James Cameron said, you know, look cool on there dreadlocks and mandibles so if it wasn't for that one chance meeting then the predator could have looked completely different interesting the side point here there's been a lot of in the last five years or so like predator comic books like archie versus predator um yeah, is one yeah. of my favorites so there are two series the original one's very campy and then the second the archie or v predator um second series is like very dark very interesting thematic and so predator i feel like has been on the front of my brain for a while actually yeah. mainly because of the comics but the movie is excellent and of course with um the rights coming back from dark horse to marvel when they bought fox they well they just simply didn't renew them so yeah. same with aliens they've been reissuing all the old predators and all the old aliens i mean omnibuses there's a new predator number one that came out last week so i've got oh, that really? in my stack. yeah who's on yeah. who's on the creative uh, I can't remember. Let me, I'll work on that. While you're doing that, I just love that this is just like the machismo, like the brute force of all the men that could have come across like almost cartoony, but they all play them so well. Sonny <laughs> Langdon. And he yeah. had to have, he was such a nuisance in between shooting. He had to have a six foot eight bodyguard to protect people from him and keep him out of trouble. <laughs> While the rest of the guys, there was this big comp, like they, they all wanted to look the best on set. They get up at half five, they go, they do an hour's running, go to the gym for an hour, go and do a 12 to 15 hour day. Then they'd go running and then they'd go back to the gym, eat dinner and go to bed. Ruthlessly masculine monster ed brisson is the writer on this series oh, that's turned me up a little bit already yeah you're not a all, fan with that in mind i don't want to spoil my enthusiasm thinking about ed brisson who would like <laughs> to go next do you want to go shane so you're not sitting there nervously yeah yeah i'm i'm all good let's go my 
choice for the the best is yeah like growing up this was this was the first true Schwarzenegger film for me I mean I'd seen I'd seen Terminator and I'd seen a few of other films but this was the one that stood out you know for me and I used to watch it with my dad a lot mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah it's unlike anything I'd seen at the time so it, it was based on a short story by Philip K Dick called uh, oh, we can remember I, it for you wholesale i hope i've not just stole tim no no i'm uh, gonna jump in here too. <laughs> okay such a film yeah and uh, the the short story was about the about how we remember things both false memories and real memories how they could be melded with reality it was originally due to star patrick swayze which would have been a very different film mm -hmm. um yeah, very different film. But after it all fell through, it was picked up. Basically, Arnold wanted this film and he was waiting for, for the rights to go up. And he ran to the director that would be, Paul Verhoeven, and told him, this is the film we are going to make. And that film was 1990's Total Recall. So oh, good. So good. Such excellence. That's mine too. I know, big surprise. So it, is it is so film. good. Did you see the recent remake with Colin Farrell? I no. erased it from my mind. Is it called Total Recall? Um, it still has the same bones, but yeah, it's not. It, it's not set on on the Red Planet. But yeah, uh, Total Recall. Like at the time, it was actually the last big budget budget Hollywood mover to use uh, large scale miniatures as well. Mm -hmm. So rather than heading straight to CG, because it was the time, like a few years later, obviously you had uh, like Jurassic Park was throwing dinosaurs everywhere and Total Recall was full on big sets and huge miniatures and it, it, mm -hmm. it worked for them. They won an award, uh, an Academy Award for best special effects before they'd even shown up. They were told you're going to really? win some award. Yeah, just to prepare them. Because at the time, it was so groundbreaking, especially some of the, the physical uh, creature effects. They couldn't possibly give it anyone else. The visual effects are awesome. Like, it's all, like, I love practical effects. And you get so, so much, so many, so many fewer of them these days than, than you did back then. There's some rudimentary CGI, but all of, like, the mutants, all that stuff is practical. Um, and, and stuff that I... I agree shane like some of the effects like i they have never left my mind I, I have like just jotted down some some notes here about like <clears throat> the, the when, he, when arnold takes the like tracking ball out of his nose yes yeah so crazy oh, um grim. Yeah, the uh the cuado growing out of george's stomach that is insane i love mm. that the, of course the three titted hooker um and the grotesque suffocation on Mars when they're just like, oh, that's so yeah. excellent. I love all that stuff. The device in his nose, for me, that's the biggest <laughs> clue that it is actually a dream though. Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning really? of the film, he's he walks past the, the scanner and you see his entire body, you see the x-ray and there is nothing in his head. Whereas that's supposed to have been in his head for years. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously he moves it because he wasn't there until he needed it to be there as part of the story. So right. the, the thing with the film, obviously they, they talk about it throughout the course of the story, especially at the beginning, but midway through he meets a doctor and the doctor tells him that 
what is happening to you, to him and it, if you carry on you're going to be lobotomized and obviously at the end of the film it, it fades to white because Paul Verhoeven wanted people to be unsure whether yes. he's been lobotomized at the end of the film right so, and I think that that's it's a great way of looking at it I, I read that he wanted he actually had the script um, tweaked and rewritten to make it more ambiguous for the yeah, audience. Yeah. yeah. He said yeah. that he, if, if as soon as you put Arnold in a film, the audience want it to be real. Totally. He wanted, he wanted it to be to pe for people to be unsure. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how, what you thought about Arnold's performance. I thought it was awesome. I, I, it's one of his best, I think. And there's yeah. a lot of great supporting performances here. And I think what makes the Arnold performance so good is he kind of goes against type. So rather than like the, the bold action hero, he portrays this like confused, vulnerable, kind of sympathetic character. And, it, and he's up to it. It shows you he's got some acting chops. I mean, he's not the greatest actor, obviously, but I think he was up to it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And they surrounded him with lots of good actors. And, yeah. And, but they didn't need to in this, in this case. Like he does a good job. No one can say that, especially at that point in his life, he, he didn't know how to act. He he did a yeah. good job. Yeah, 100%. Michael Ironside, like he steals the oh. film. He yeah. he's God's gift to us all, even if he gets his arms cut off. Right. <laughs> it's not the only I, I, um, literary adaptation he's been in either, because The Running Man was a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely agree. I mean, this is like right in the middle of his, you could call his like imperial period. When he was by far the biggest movie star in the world, I would think. I would say between like 1984 and like roughly 1999, he was huge. And then I think in 96, Tom Cruise kind of overtakes him um, on the back of Mission Impossible. But for a solid 15 years, he was by he was the biggest movie star in the world. And this is right in the middle of that. And and it's really the, in my opinion, the high watermark. Uh, Shane, it's interesting that you talked about how you watch this with your dad. I have a similar sort of affinity for it because I watched it. I there's this friend I had growing up, and I would go over his house for like sleepovers, and we watched that. And I always have this memory of being so fun. It was never something my parents would let me watch when I was like 12, but yeah. I went over and I watched it at my buddy's house, and it was just like I have these great memories of like it was like kind of illicit, but I was watching it, so it yeah, kind of yeah, added yeah, yeah. to the yeah. It was like a little yeah. bit taboo. So I, yeah. I have, yeah, it, it definitely has, a, I have great memories of when it came out, or at least yeah. on VHS. Mine's yeah. kind of like, my dad was like a weekend dad. So I'd go, it would be similar, but combining the two, whereby I'd go over yeah. there and on Friday night, we'd always get a film and he'd just put it on and he'd be like, well, as long as you're not scared. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of the, um, one of, one of the, memories as soon as you said total recall is you know in the mining scene where the, he he has like a lucky escape because i can't remember if it was arnold or a different character and all those like whirling um yeah like multiple blades are, are like pinning him in and, and like i can just remember turning him to my dad at that point and he was like are you all right and i was like i'm just gonna look away for a minute <laughs> <laughs> sorry shane go on no no, no. I, was, uh, I was eight when i first saw this film and yeah, I I loved the entire thing. It was it was the Michael Ironside bit, getting your arms chopped off. That did it for yeah. me. Like I, I was I was petrified of elevators for a very long time. Sure, yeah, totally. Did you rewatch it, Shane? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So did I. I had forgotten like how rich the movie is. Like what it makes it so great for me is like how complex and thematic it is. Um, I just jotted down a, a bunch of different themes that I saw in the movie. 
obviously colonialism, environmental degradation, environmental justice, um, the commodification of vital resources. In that case, it's air, but it's very analogous to what we have now with water, at yeah, least in the yeah. U.S., you know. One thing I noticed rewatching it, and I had to I had to double check and, and research it, is when he's on Earth, there are only adverts for Coca-Cola. But when he's on Mars, all the adverts are for Pepsi. Oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. So oh, I didn't notice uh, that. Yeah, they've uh, basically like Pepsi got kicked out, and they're, they're only on, uh, on Mars. Yeah. Well, I think I think we've heard enough about Total Recall. To be honest with you, unless you guys have got anything written down that you want to you want to add to it. No, no. Let's let I, yeah. I'm so good. Okay. Well, out of fairness, then I think Tim, you should go first with your worst. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger right. film, and I know, um, I know. Okay, just before we start, for the worst of, just to see where we all are, is your worst of Tim bef before or after Governor Arnold's? Before, Tim. Sorry, Shane. That's me. Uh, after. Yeah. yeah, mine's after as well. <laughs> okay, mine's after, and it's not. It's not his worst film. It's the film that I detest the most. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> but go on, I, I kind of, yeah, I feel like my choice. Here's what I did. The, he, his filmography is so huge that so I good. wanted to um, isolate. So like we just what I said a few minutes ago about his imperial period, 1982-ish through 1999. That's his like greatest period. So I went, I tried to choose the worst movie during that period. Okay. Um, just to kind of narrow it and, and, and it, it's so stark like a bad movie during that period is very stark <clears> and it <throat> sticks out because of such good work he did his movies are so good during that period i'm intrigued largely so so mine is a uh, 1997 um comic book film directed by joel schumacher batman okay. and robin i fucking hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> is that not the best one Oh, it's no. so bad, dude. <laughs> and now he's not the star of the movie, but obviously he plays like a pretty, you know, important role in it. I I just jot down some things I hate about it. Okay, all the puns about freezing. So yeah. like when he says like, I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy, he says to like, <laughs> to Batman, he says, you're not sending me to the cooler. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. Let's kick some ice. Like, come a fuck on. And then the inane fucking musical score. It just the swelling music during these like nothing's happening. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, how how are you deploying this? The score itself is not terrible. It's just like how it's used is awful. Uh, uninspired action and fight scenes, just so pathetic. Um, in one like an early one where Doctor Freeze's henchmen use hockey sticks as weapons. And they're using the diamond as, as like a hockey puck. And then, and then somehow the uh, Batman and Robin both have ice skates in their boots. Like, <laughs> so bad. And, but wait, what makes it the worst, I think, is like the terrible acting. Mm. Uma Thurman, I think, takes the cake as being just egregiously bad in this movie. And I, here's what I think. It, like, this is before, obviously, before the MCU, where people are taking, you know, comic book movies more seriously. It's almost as if they were mocking the source material you know uh, in their acting it's like if if you want to critique if you want to critique the source material do it in an, in an artful way in a thoughtful way don't just like make your acting terrible to like mimic the word bubbles in a bad comic book 
I, oh, I was so uh, appalled. And then there's Bane who doesn't do anything except growl and like flexes his biceps. <laughs> and, 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 and so there's that like over, over acting and just like parody acting as contrasted with George Clooney, who clearly didn't even want to be there. I mean, his, he's so like, he has no charisma whatsoever. And then there's like the weird shit about the suit. Like Batman has nipples on his suit. The, Robin has a cod piece. I, I even saw the one scene cards. where it looked like, yeah, I saw, so bad. I saw one scene where it looked like Alicia Silverstone had a fucking nipples on her suit. <laughs> so weird. Do you know what John Schumacher said when he submitted the first script? No. He says, and this, with some irony, I don't know why it has to be so serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael Keaton saw it and then just walked out because he was assigned to the film, but he, he, read, he read the script once and then said, no fucking way. <laughs> no way, dude. And just like some of the, just like a couple more things. One, the, the, just like the plot points are so bad. Like when they're in the prison and, and uh, freeze um freezes the pipes to like blow out the the apparently steel and reinforced wall it's like in what universe does that happen freezing pipes blowing out a wall um and then okay so even though batman and robin have 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 been affected by poison ivy's pheromones they let her do it again like without any (laughs) like have you not seen this they should try this she did this to you just like 20 minutes ago um and then when she actually kisses Robin and he pulls off the rubber lips, it's just like so bad. She oh, should have just finally, she should have just kissed him again then to take t- yeah, the fucking lesson. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh. And then oh. finally, finally at the end, when um when Freeze like has a change of heart and he's like, and Clooney's like, yo, um, can you save Alfred? And he just opens up his suit and has like two little vials that apparently is a cure to this ravaging disease. It's just like fuck off i hate it i think you had steam coming out of your ears then tim (laughs) you went you went bright red and there was steam coming out of your ears are you okay Uh, now do you feel better i feel like you feel better i i I, it's good to get it out i feel very cathartic but my hatred for this movie is like complete do you think you hate it because it's a comic book movie though or um there's probably something to that there's got to be something to that Yeah. yeah It's because I love comics and I was just so offended by it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, I I don't know if I could add to that, to be honest with you. It was uh, an all encompassing (laughs) tirade. I I was impressed. (laughs) I I enjoyed it and I was both scared. A lot like one of my ex girlfriend's lovemaking techniques. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't go on, Dave. <laughs> Who told you to stop? <laughs> yeah. Well, I passionately hate this, so I'm, I'm yeah, glad to get yeah. it out there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what she was like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just one thing. Um, when they were actually before they'd even finalized the script, they had meetings with toy companies to uh, see what they wanted to add in. Yeah. yeah so yeah. half of, half of the gimmicks were actually added in, genuinely just to sell toys. So I, I was watching bad. something about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. I think everyone who was in that movie, I mean, Clooney just doesn't want to talk about it. He's like so embarrassed by it. I, I don't know what other... And Schumacher, I think, just issued an apology. Not just, yeah. but he had, he had issued an apology for it. I don't know what Uma Thurman thinks of the movie or um, 
frankly, what Arnold thinks of the movie. I can't imagine he thinks it's good. Did you notice the costume change just before the end as well? Like out of nowhere, they've all got silver trim. Oh yeah. no, I didn't that notice that. That was, that. Yeah, that, was yeah. the, that was the thing they they requested an additional costume change just to sell toys. Ugh. That just grosses me out even more. I had so much fun <laughs> watching all these crappy movies, but yeah, it's... I feel like I feel like you knew you were zoned in on this. Like as soon as we suggested the topic, you you just knew you were like, finally, finally, yeah. I get, finally, I get it. Finally, I get yeah. to do this. Finally, well, I, I do get to be Tim unbridled. <laughs> well, I did rewatch it just to make sure that, in fact, it's as bad as I remember. And it's it's actually worse than I remember. The thing is, though, I would recommend it. I would send everyone to see it because it's so bad. It's just like watching a complete train wreck. Shane, do you reckon you can do better than that? Or do you reckon you can match it? Can you at least match Tim's enthusiasm for negativity? I, don't, I hate this film quite as much as Tim hates uh, Batman and Robin. Um, but... Yeah, so since the like, early 2000s, I've, I've loved foreign cinema. So uh, Japanese cinema, Korean uh, uh, films from uh, like Hong Kong cinema. And there's a, a Korean director called uh, King Ji Woon. In Korea, he was part of a wave of directors that changed how Korean cinema was perceived across the rest right. of the globe. Uh, like his, he, the first horror film he ever did, even though it didn't make that much money, it still broke records uh, across uh, across Korea. He, after a while, was persuaded to make a film uh, in America. That film being The Last Stand in 2013. <laughs> and all of his creative freedom was taken away. It, may, it only made $3 million profit. Like... He, wow. he, he made three million dollars. He had a, a budget of forty-five million dollars. This film did. It made forty-eight. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Arnold Schwarzenegger got paid uh, ten million dollars, which was by no by no means anywhere near what he was being like. Batman and Robin, he got paid uh, twenty-five million. Wow! Uh, so he got paid ten million dollars for it. Um, ten million dollars is more than any of Kim Jong Un's budgets. For any of his previous films, mm-hmm. uh, and yet the 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 profit that he made was so small, it repulses me. Well, they wouldn't have even made that three million, would they? Because the cinemas keep a third. Marketing would have cost probably somewhere between thirty and forty. So they were probably on the losing end of I don't know, like seventy, eighty million. It's it's crazy. And the film is just a rip off of Rio Bravo. I mean, the the basic premise for the film is the most wanted man in America. He's been caught. He's about to be executed and he escapes. Uh, And he's he's traveling to uh, the Mexican border in, uh, I think it's a a zero one, ZR1 Corvette. The film, the entire film is an advertisement for this car. Um, So Arnold Schwarzenegger has to make his last stand in this small town, Somerton. But yeah, that's it. It's terrible. Johnny Knoxville's in it. That's Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, but yeah. even Prophetica phones it in, you know. And even Arnold, he can't. He couldn't. There's a there's a scene where he slams the phone down, but his body is that stiff now. His entire body has to lean to put the phone down, and he he shouldn't. It's horrible. He shouldn't be making these films anymore. 
because mm. I can remember this being seen as being um, critically at least being seen as his first half decent film since coming back from governor. Do you think that um, Ji Wing Kim was responsible for making the most of a dumpster fire, or do you just think that people have just seriously got this wrong? I think people it, they've got it wrong. Everything from the fast edits. They can you remember Blade? <laughs> Wesley Thompson's yeah. film. Yeah, comic book film. So you're bound to you're bound to remember Blade. They sped up all of the all of the actual driving sections. Kind of wonder um, whether his stint as governor has completely ruined his career, kind of permanently. Not so much that people are you know opposed to what he did as governor, but just the hiatus he took off. Like it was quite a long time where he was not in films. He was not a public person other than in politics. And I wonder if that kind of ruined his career. People just, the times have changed. They're not just not going to follow Arnold anymore. If you don't grow up with him, there was a whole entire yeah. generation of people that didn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger on, on, the, the, on their television or on their cinema screens every year. So yeah. people just don't care. They move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like that, and the rock making films. So, you know, that's the period where The Rock sort of, he's, he begins his, you know, upwards trajectory. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's so old as well. He looks old. He moves old. Mm -hmm. It's like the scene in The Irishman when Robert De Niro's running to a man that's already on the floor and then he tries to kick him and it is horrible to watch. Yeah, but Johnny Knox, he's the worst, he's, he's the worst part of it. Um, how they wrote his character, they basically made him crazy by having Skittles mm -hmm mixed in with all his uh, his uh, gun licenses. So when he pulls out all his, all his, you know, paperwork, he's just got Skittles in there. Like, that's how crazy. I've got a hat on and Skittles in my pocket. And at one point, he's, he's stroking a vicar's gun, calling it my crazy little bitch. Like, who, no one talks like this. Bad. Are you ready? You mind? Are you ready? Uh, Here we go. <laughs> Let's just say mine was released pretty close to when Shane's was. It was only a couple of years, or if that, maybe even a year in between. Okay, so my worst Arnold Schwarzenegger film, and by the way, I, I put the miles in. I watched a good amount of modern <laughs> shit to get to this decision. I thought I had one locked in, but when I saw this one, I was so happy watching it because of how bad it was. I thought I have absolutely found the absolute worst. As I said, 2014, it was written by Skip Woods, who's got a bit of a mixed cinematography, but you'll see a couple of turds in there and it won't surprise you that he was involved in this one. He wrote <laughs> Hitman, X-Men Origins Wolverine, A-Team, the worst Die Hard film, ironically, because uh, my best, it had the best writer who did the best Die Hard films. Anyway, A Good Day to Die Hard. The director came from some pedigree and this film was kind of sandwiched in between training day and fury and on the back of end of watch which arnold said he watched five times in the cinema he went after this director personally and wanted him to direct this film after this it was the beginning of the end one of the worst received netflix series ever and he also nearly tanked a whole superhero 
franchise. Not only is this the worst, the worst Arnold Schwarzenegger film, it also has one of the best ensemble casts. It has Arnold himself, Terence Howard. It has stage darling Olivia Williams, Joe Mangianello, Josh Holloway from Lost Fame, and TV's greatest, Max Martini. Of course, obviously not of course, because I'll be very surprised if anyone even knows that this film exists. It's called Sabotage. Now, it's about a group of ridiculous, like in the way that Predator nailed like the sort of stereotypical rough and tumble black dude. We have the Native American, we have the jokey guy that was skinny with glasses and they all had these obscene guns, but it was of the time. This film wants to be that, but it also wants to be a serious uh, training day or end of watch kind of film. The violence is obscenely grotesque. Here's what's happened to an undercover tactical squad are recovering some money from the Mexican cartel. They cut 10 million off the top and then they hide it. When they go back, the money's not there. So there's this big inspection by like the higher ups and investigation, which lasts all about 30 seconds. It feels like the whole thing's ad-libbed. The writing's that bad. And it seems like it's not just ad-libbed. They lost the script and said to them, just get on with it, guys. It, it <laughs> Even the names were ridiculous. Like one's called like smoke and one's called like, like terror and all this kind of shit. It's like military spice girls. And the funny thing about this is A, it actually comes from a military background. The attention to detail with the gun work was the only thing. They held the guns correctly, but they looked fucking stupid. It's typified by scene in the middle of it and the team's back together after the investigation. These are supposed to be like the best of the best. They're so unhinged, grotesquely filled with testosterone. Even the woman's got balls bigger than I could ever imagine or want to have. Character moments for characters with no character. It's about as 2D as you can get. Interesting premise is the best you can say about this. It is... <laughs> I can't, I can't, I cannot tell you how poor the plot is. The team start to get hunted down one by one. And it's kind of like, well, who's doing it? Who's doing it? it? Must be the Mexican cartel, but that's kind of like a good cover story. And they're supposed to be undercover, but they're clearly a tactical squad because none of them are ever undercover. They've all got, and one of them's got like a biker jacket with the fucking like backwards cap and tattoos. In what government agency or is that what you wear to go in <laughs> like fucking <laughs> do like an undercover up in mexico the whole thing is fucking ridiculous characters just make poor decisions after poor decisions the big reveal in the end was it was one of the people in the team spoilers by the way that was bitter about the money going but she's like the smallest like feeblest woman and at one point she's supposed to have killed someone nailing somebody to a fucking ceiling the whole thing <laughs> just makes no sense and then when you're thinking well okay you did that but like to what ends like you're killing everybody in in the group that you've worked with for 10 years and when arnold was being under investigation they were all in their clubhouse together doing what did they not have fucking homes to go to they were just getting tattoos and fucking making dick jokes playing bowling and drinking there was a jukebox and maybe that took up some of the time but they were that close that they didn't even go back to their families or where they live 
And so I'm supposed to believe that one of them in the group, all of a sudden, has a suspicion that one of them must have took the money, not the Mexican cartel. And by the way, the money in the first scene, they set it on fire so they wouldn't know how much was gone. Literally, they blew the money up. So how does the government know exactly that there was 10 million of it missing? The whole thing's preposterous. And then the second twist that comes in the end was it was Arnold that stole the money going right back to the very first scene of the film where he's watching a woman being tortured that then turns out to be his wife who was killed by the Mexican cartel and he took that as ransom money. Not only did he take it to Mexico, he didn't, he just took it to, he just walked into the nearest police station and dropped all the money on the table. No opening gambit. No, like, no worry if, if that guy was going to take the money and rat him out. And then he goes to a bar and kills everybody. I don't think the head of the Mexican cartel is just going drinking in the fucking side alley bar. <laughs> like you at least take one of those people, drag him away, and then try and find the higher ups. If he thinks by murdering the people that actually killed his wife and daughter, that's the end of it. They're not, they were probably following orders in the Nazi tradition. It wasn't their fault. They were under instruction. The whole thing is so wooden and it is so desperate. Like I said, with Predator, you've got just line after line. When they go into the village and they're just blowing shit up, like just fucking willy-nilly, executing not just people, huts, grass, trees, <laughs> mud. And he takes the time to stop at that hut and goes, knock, knock, before he kicks it in and fucking shoots some more things. Like, <laughs> like, come on, do it. What are you waiting for? Come on. Yeah. You one ugly motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just one liner after one liner. It's absolute yeah. gold. This, it just tries so hard in every single way, but fails inexcusably, inexplicably. The writing's terrible. The acting's terrible. The direction's terrible. The costume's terrible. The sets are terrible. There is not one discipline of making films that is a success in this. It is steaming hot shit, especially when you consider the cast. It is a special type of ignorance that goes into making films to have this cast. Let me just go through it again. Arnold, Terence Howard, Olivia Williams, Joe Magniello, or however you say it, Josh Holloway, Max Martini. Like any of those, if they were on TV, they would be the big name on the front of that series. In theatrical releases, they are good supporting characters with a great cinematography. How do you make that group of people make a film this bad? <laughs> Easy, uh, David Ayer. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this one, but you're just your your passionate analysis kind of makes me want to watch it just to You've see how fucking for myself. It's almost parody. It's almost Mel Brooks does a Schwarzenegger film from the eighties, like scary movie, epic movie. This could be called Arnold movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you gave one of those parodies. I don't know what the budget was on this, but it's got to. I mean, just for that cast alone, like you must think it must be upwards of fifty million. And when you think yeah, of I didn't realize it. 35. There you go. 35. I can't I can't believe that David Ayer went from training day, end of watch, 
this bag of shit and then he did fury at that point you're thinking we'll let him get up we'll let him get away with this one it's just you know he's obviously he's been given it taking the money whatever but then he went on to do suicide squad and then after that bright his career has just fallen off a cliff oh and then he did the last um sheer labeouf film as well whatever the fuck that was called i can't remember like the tax well, movie sounds... collector the tax collector. tax collector okay yeah it wasn't it wasn't the worst but i mean his career has fallen off a cliff and you can clearly pinpoint this the start this film ruins lives <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible it is it is and um it's just <laughs> it's broken me. I can't. I don't think I can say. I don't think I can say anything else. <laughs> That's so funny. I like. Oh, I'm looking at his filmography. U five seven one. That was actually pretty good. No, I hated that film. Yeah, because no, we, we were it's the total lies that got the that actually took the uh, the U boat over. The in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in 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 the US, but the UK version has to have a small piece of text beforehand saying it was the British that did all these things, yeah, not the Americans. Mm. And it wasn't even U five seven one; it was U five like seven eight or something. But that was in the age of Hollywood rewriting, poorly rewriting sort of history. When you think of things like Braveheart, um, um, what was his name? William Wallace, yeah. William Wallace was actually like a, a wealthy landowner that forced the people working his um, land to fight on his behalf to save his wealth. Like he was completely mm. the antithesis of it. When you think of like the way that it portrayed the, the captain of the Titanic, when in actual fact he saved so many people staying on the boat as it went down to get them into the lifeboats, but he was portrayed as an incompetent fool. Well, I thought it was entertaining, so fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it was our war anyway. We didn't even ask you to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> we begged you. <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, sounds terrible. I'm going to watch all these bad ones. Of not Batman and Robin, I'll never watch that pile of shit. <laughs> I might have to watch Batman and Robin. I might, I'm definitely going to rewatch Total Recall again. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's more than worth it. It's you could watch that film 50 times and still find it enjoyable. I'll check out yeah. Predator, I haven't seen that in a long time. And there's a new Predator out, so maybe I'll do the original and then you'll be really surprised how well shot Predator is. The cinematography wouldn't look out of place on something like Apocalypse Now, and the attention to detail in it. Like that was the first thing that I noticed. But this has yeah. been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I was really excited about it as well today. Yeah, this has been really fun. I loved that. I loved it so much. I was again, yeah. like I said, I was so excited. I've had a lot of fun. So thank you very much for joining us, Shane. I hope it's been a pleasurable experience for you. I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed every part of it. I've enjoyed re-watching a lot of the films mm. and did very different for me, but uh, I'd have to try it again. Good. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, that was great. Great time. I was so excited to watch these movies. You know, honestly, I was even excited to watch Batman and Robin again because 
it's just so bad and 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 your you guys your descriptions of your worst of makes me just want to watch them just so i can see for myself yeah I'm so this has been a great time we watched last stand for don't, question of don't, yeah. no, no, don't do it don't do it <laughs> no, no one needs to watch that film oh funny hopefully you've enjoyed our little bonus podcast and you've stuck with us to the end i've really enjoyed making it as i told you before so like subscribe follow share tell your mum tell your dad tell your aunt and your uncle and your nana and your pops tell everybody that's the best way for us to grow so if you found this on its own independent standalone channel on spotify then you can join us for the end pod which is sometimes weekly it, it's intended to be weekly but between me and you it's it's very rarely weekly but if you like this then we talk about films and tv shows and comics and all your favorite nerd goop on there and the sort of breaking news of the week so have a look over there it's again if actually if you click on spank media i reckon it might even take you there so have a little click on a spank a cheeky little click on your spank <laughs> but i think we'll leave it there thank you very much for joining us all i have been co-host matt and we have been and this is the end